This message comes from NPR sponsor Carvana. With thousands of options under $20,000, plus customizable financing terms and down payments as low as $0 down, it's easy to find a car that fits your lifestyle. Visit Carvana.com or download the app today. Terms and conditions may apply. This is World Cafe. I'm Rena Duris. A lot has changed in the world since 2002. Groceries cost more. Everyone has a smartphone. There have been three Matrix movie sequels released. And through it all, one thing has stayed the same. My guests today have remained friends. Brett Domrose, Rob Mailhouse, and Keanu Reeves make up Dogstar, an alternative rock band that kicked off back in the mid-90s. They toured all over, opening for artists like Bon Jovi, playing festivals like Glastonbury, all while bass player Keanu Reeves was becoming a movie star. Now, Dogstar broke up in 2002, releasing their appropriately named album Happy Ending that year. But coming up in our conversation, you'll hear how they never really broke up, and they'll talk about how natural it felt to make a new album two decades after their last one, even if the world and their own lives had changed. That album is called Somewhere Between the Power Lines and Palm Trees. My conversation with Brett, Rob, and Keanu is coming up. But first, from Somewhere Between the Power Lines and Palm Trees, here is some of Everything Turns Around. Dog Star on World Cafe. Cafe. That was Everything Turns Around from Dogstar. It's from their new album, Somewhere Between the Power Lines and the Palm Trees. I'm Raina Duris, and Brett, Cano, and Rob of Dogstar are my guests today. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Good Be- morning. Good, Good morning. morning. Before we start, just so everyone knows whose voice is who's on the radio, could I have you each say your full name, what you do in the band? Brett, you can start. I'm Brett Domrose. I am the guitar player singer. And I'm Rob Mailhouse, and I'm the drummer. And I'm Keanu Reeves, and I play bass. Thank you. Well done. So that song can, that we just heard. You can tell the difference between all three of us. I, I, <laughs> I, even seeing you, I can't tell the difference. Um, <laughs> but uh, very good NPR voices. We're off to a great start. The song that we just heard is the song that you reintroduced the band with, uh, the first single from Dogstar in over 20 years. But it's not like you didn't see each other during that time and during those intervening years. In fact, uh, Rob, you said that Keanu's bass rig didn't even leave your house for that entire time? That's true. With- there, was, um, there was a couple of different bass cabinets there, and then one of them was in the garage. And I remember it was like a big... I think that was an old... Yeah. Uh, 18. Yeah, that was still in the garage, and it was covered, and, I, and it, there was like an old rodent live, like in, living in there. <laughs> that one, I don't know why. And the, the ones downstairs were fine. Yeah, they were there, but we'd come we over. We rehearsed at Robert's house, yeah. so he had a jam space, and yeah. um, so that's where uh, all the equipment was. was living. When you broke up, broke up in 2002, was it intended to be a permanent, it's done sort of thing? I don't think we ever said permanent. I don't think we ever used that word, but 
it, it, I don't remember it being like one way or the other. It just kind of it's like, like we had like, kids and we had to stop. stay we had to stay friendly because we we have to share our children. <laughs> <laughs> so when did those like fun hangout jam sessions turn into okay we're gonna make a new album um, this is actually something we're going to do again and pick it up again. I've heard there was a pivotal moment at the premiere for Matrix Resurrections. Um, but did it, was it in there? Oh, was it the pandemic? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was. I don't think we knew until we knew. I mean, I don't think we knew yeah. until we actually had 15 songs, right? Yeah. Probably so, prior to that, we got together in 2011. Cause I can tell by looking at my iPhone to see, like, you know, the, when you open up your photos, you see dates. Yeah. I was like, oh. We, so we would, I always take a photo when we were down there. So I could see that we were there in 2011, we were there in 2014, we were there in 2015, like with certain times, maybe a day or two, but nothing, like Brett said. Like kind of like the nothing, Olympics. Yeah. Like every four years we <laughs> got together. But nothing really came from it except for just little recordings and little ditties that we had stored on the uh, iPhone. And, and then, like, you know, we just sort of got together that one time and made a plan. It's like, we're going to do this eight, 10 hours a day. And Brett was living in San Francisco at the time. He came down, he stayed at the house. Keanu came over every day with tartine pastries. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and we spent 10 hours a day down there. Wow. And like Brett said, we just didn't know what was gonna come of it. Um, you guys have always had that same jam space at Rob's. Yeah. Um, Since 1995. Yeah, could you? set the scene for us. What does it look like in there? When you walk in there, what are you seeing? Well, you go down these long, treacherous stairs. Lots of people have wiped out on those stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Nick Valencia from The Strokes wiped out his whole pedal board coming up those stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and we all sort of tripped on this one stair. And, you know, soundproof, because I have neighbors next to me who are very lovely and very tolerant of us, and we, we give them tickets all the time and invite them for dinner. And Bribes. Just, yeah. So you enter the two doors, and then it's a, it's uh, a rectang rectangular yeah. room about, what, 25 feet long? Yeah. 15, 12 feet wide, maybe? With quadruple glass. And On one side. Yeah. Well, it didn't used to have, like, the windows, right? No. There, when we first started, there was no windows. Right, it yeah. was really... We used to, like that was cave. the cave. It was the cave, and it was not... <laughs> Great. What's the, so when people no say, air conditioning, when we have central air. We upgraded. The difference between the '90s Dog Star and the current Dog Star, I think, is that the '90s Dog Star worked in a room at like 11 o'clock at night with Jack and Coke, with no <laughs> right. windows, no windows, and the new and the, and the cassette player to record our ideas. The new yeah. Dog Star works in a beautiful room with sunshine coming in during central air during the daytime, and heat, soft couch, carpet with coffee yeah. and the occasional. Beer, if we're feeling, and uh, and we have a digital recorder now. Yeah, <laughs> I know that wasn't your question. No, but I wanted to ask but, you but about that. But that goes to what the room looks like versus you know. Yeah, yeah. and then he's got foot, like ten foot high ceiling. It, yeah. Well, I, I did want to ask about because I think you can hear that contrast from your old music and your new music. Um, you know that studio or the 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 cave used to be a cave now your space it's in silver lake um it's in la the album is called somewhere between the power lines and the palm trees could you talk about how the environment that you were in beyond where you guys jammed uh helped shape the music that you were making for this record 
all around that neighborhood, there's like palm trees and power lines. You know, it's Los Angeles. It's got that sort of double-edged beauty hidden beneath the urban. And, and sort of like sort of like rolling hills and, and you know, it's, it's um, that environment. So what happened was when we got together and Brett lived there, like we, he would snap photos of the neighborhood when he was staying there. And he photographed this great photograph of an empty reservoir with palm trees, power lines and a bird. And that's the album cover. And so, and then the mood of just sort of every day, you know, just sort of soaking in like that part of Los Angeles, which is the Northeast part, which is completely different than what people think LA is. You know, it's closer to Dodger Stadium. Yeah. It has more of like a New York feel or, I don't know, it just, it's, LA's weird. It's, it's like 12 different cities. You yeah. Know? It, it, and if, so it's that part of town is a little different, you know, and, and I think we really captured that feeling, you know, from that. I'm yeah. talking to Dog Star on World Cafe, and the next song I want to play off the album is Dylan Street. I looked it up. There's a Dylan Street in L.A. I don't know if it's based on that one, um, but I know this is a song of Brett's. I know that, Rob, you feel a connection to the song. Kino, you said this is one of your favorite songs on the record. Maybe I could ask each of you, what is it about this song that speaks to you? Kino, do you want to start? Dylan Street. <laughs> I think it's... Uh a really lovely modern folk song. I don't know, I mean, I like the melody of the song. Uh, I like the storytelling in the song. And I'll, I'll say that. I mean, I like, it's a conversation, you know? It's, it's personal for, you know, it's Brett's, I love the lyrics. And, uh, you know, it's sort of telling a story and then in all of a sudden, in the middle of the story, it's like pleading, you know? And it's real. It's great. I mean, I, I get a different vibe from it every time I play it. You know, yeah. and I just I love it. Yeah. And Brett, since it is like a song that you brought in, maybe the question for you is: even though you want to leave it open to interpretation, is there anything you can tell us about this song before we hear it? Yeah, it's it's a story of a man that you know was was a musician, a songwriter, and it's his journey. And it's also a story about what songs mean to everybody. I think a lot of lyrics came from the notion of, um, I, I was reading an article about a surgeon who was talking about when he does surgeries, uh, it was a, a, a pediatric surgeon. And he was saying, I play rock music while I'm doing my surgeries. And so I started kind of thinking about all the different people. And then sports athletes when they're sports athletes like there's any other kind uh, <laughs> athletes when they're getting you know hyped for the game that you see them walking in and they have they come off the bus and they have their headphones and always they, yeah so everyone's got a song right that and and uh and we all have a song that if it's a rainy day maybe we we'll want to hear that song makes us think of something or if it's a summer day we want that song um so i kind of like the notion that everyone's connected to a song or two we all we're all connected through music Right, well, let's hear this song. It's Dylan Street. This is Dog Star on World Cafe. He wore his hat on his sleeve. He played music people believe. When they came to see him play, he'd always take them away from the lonely hearts and broken dreams. When laughing what it seems, you can turn his music on. Forget about everything that's gone wrong. I told you.
You just heard a song called Dylan Street from Dogstar's new album, Somewhere Between the Power Lines and the Palm Trees. I'm Raina Duras. I'm hanging out with Brett Kinner and Rob from Dogstar. I want to go now back to the very beginning of the band in 1991 for folks who don't know the whole story. Here we go. We are time traveling. It all started. Space camp. At a supermarket. Rob Akanu. Hong Kong. Tell us that story. Uh, was, uh, Wait, what room. aisle were you in? Let's start there. Do you remember? Uh, let's pull the picture, really. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I wasn't there, so I'd like to know. <laughs> what I, think, your car? Um, yeah. I think I, I was fell over and my chocolate fell on his peanut butter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we started, Basically, we, that's that's that. Like Are you guys in the checkout line? I don't think Probably so. Probably on like aisle nine, like cereal. When you were yeah, there. I was getting I was getting fruity pebbles. Yeah, what was it? Well, I think <laughs> yeah, it was, good. It was before I knew you guys. Captain Crunch. Captain, Captain Crunch. Crunch. We would like to know exactly what it was. <laughs> Just like. called no. the album Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was Beechwood Canyon, 1990, early something. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Robert, I I was a lot of my youth was in Toronto, Canada. I played a lot of hockey. Robert had a hockey jersey on and I asked him if he knew about a pickup game and Robert said I said um, I do and uh, would you like to play? and they were married <laughs> we were the music got down on one journey. knee and then we <laughs> wow that's so beautiful <laughs> anyway that's my how it happened so it was through it. hockey we got yeah. together we then. actually played hockey after that yeah. Yeah. Did you do He's well? He's really good. He's team? a goaltender. And everyone always needs a goaltender. That's, That's the a, thing about pickup games. Yeah. Yes. They're hard There's to only, find. There was only like four in LA at the time. Yeah, goalies don't it's, pay. And the other two were in the... Uh, the in the you have all that gear. Yeah, man. When you play pickup, sometimes the goalies don't have oh, to no, pay. Oh, no, they don't. They don't pay. Yeah. They don't pay at all at the pickup. That makes yeah. sense. Anyway, so that's how that happened. Yeah. So how did it go from can I be your goalie to... Can I be your bassist? Do you want to play music okay, together? Okay, so here we go. Okay, so then, uh, <laughs> so then I had a I had a garage and a house, and uh, I had a drum set there from another friend. Robert came over. We started jamming together, and then we wrote some songs, and we started a band. Cut to like a year later, um, Brett came over, and Robert said, "Hey, Brett, go get your guitar." Then he started to play, <laughs> and then two days later, Brett played a show That's with us at the Troubadour. Right. Yeah. Then no we cut to like there. some more time passed, and then Greg <laughs> left the band, and then it was Brett, Robert, and I. Yeah. From ninety five, ninety four. Yeah, 95, we made our first record. Ninety five. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. That answers my next question, which was, how did you get involved? That's it. Now we know the whole story. Car but that's how bands come <laughs> yeah. together, right? Childhood friends, you know, the same school yeah. in the neighborhood. Oh, I know a guy. Uh-huh. Do you know someone? Oh, yeah. I know this other person. You know, that's how it happens. Well, I know, yeah. Brett, that when you were like 11, you decided that you needed to be in a band. Um, why was it so clear to you early on that that is what you had to do, what you really, really wanted? Probably MTV. Yeah. <laughs> that was the beginning of MTV. And I, like most kids of my age, were glued to it. And um, I don't know, I saw the, the video for YouTube, Gloria, that song, and... Um, it was shot in Dublin, Ireland, and they were out on a barge, and it was gloomy, and it was there was smokestacks and water, and they were in these big coats, and I was like, I think that was New Jersey. Uh, it looks kind of like. <laughs> I just remember thinking, like, I'm this little kid from the suburbs, and I'm like, I want to go all over the world. I want to go see that place. I want to 
play guitar in weird places and do that. I'm like, is this, can I do this? Yeah. And it, I just had that transfixed moment where I'm like, I'm going to try. Rob, what drew you to the drums? Oh man, Ringo Starr, you know, yeah. as a kid, just watching the, the Beatles and, and then on television, watching the monkeys, which is, you know, an odd thing to say, but you know, when you're in nursery school and, or first grade and you come home and you turn on the TV and that, to me, was I loved it, and the music was great. You know, when I the, those songs, the songwriters that wrote those songs are brilliant. You know, songwriters, Hall of Fame. Yeah, songwriters. man. But what made you want to bang on a drum? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, because you could have played you know, any of those skip. instruments. The physicality <laughs> of the drum set, like when you look at it. You know, when I first came into this room and I saw that, I mean, look at it. It's like art, you know, the sparkly thing. We, we played at um, Jimmy Fallon last night and I didn't have my drum set because it's hard to get into the city when there's a tree there at the Rock Center. So we had to rent one. And the one that came was this like gold sparkle mm -hmm. drum set. And when I remember the first drum set I ever saw my neighbor had. It was like a red sparkle. And I just would stare at it. So I think of the physicality of just the look of it. I wanted to get behind it and start, you know, hitting it. And um, so I grew up playing the piano, but I guess I had some drumsticks and I went to the piano and I would bang my drumsticks on the keys and break the keys. And my dad was like, no, that's the piano. And you just broke the keys. <laughs> so I, I just, I, I think it was a more of a physical thing. And then the sound, and when I go to see concerts, I would always listen to the drums and the bass, yeah. those two things. I was just gravitated to that. Drummers, not unlike goalies, always in high demand. So yeah. people always need a drummer. That's good. Um, <laughs> Keanu, your mom was a costume designer for Dolly Parton and Emmylou Harris when you were growing up. How did that impact you creatively? Like, were you, what were you listening to? How was her, her job tied into that? Um, let's see. Uh, she was friends with Bob Ezrin, who is a producer on Alice Cooper's album Welcome to My Welcome to My Nightmare. Uh, that was on a street called Hazelton. We lived on Hazelton. They had a pinball machine, so I played pinball there. Um, you know, come to Los Angeles. I'd be with these rock folks. So I was at the Troubadour as a young kid. Um, uh, the idea of the road. Um, and around music, I mean, my mom had some some records. Uh, um, so maybe it was like I kind of looked, I, I saw, I was exposed to pirates. And it looked like they had, they had, they were having fun. So I wanted to join that ship. Okay, well, let's talk about getting out on the road, because I know that's something you guys all really enjoy. I mean, you guys have played stages of pretty much every size at this point, opening for Bon Jovi. I know you've opened for David Bowie, um, but you've also played small clubs. Lots of things are different about stepping out on a stage where there's, you know, thousands of people versus hundreds of people. But what stays the same for you? What is all, what is the constant when you walk out on that stage? The three of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think I... But we always kind of like group right before we take the stage, we stop and we have a little mini moment where we look at each other and we, I think we connect and we kind of try to make sure we're all on the same page and we're all gonna, about to go have fun. So I think that for me is the same every night, no matter where you are, we're, we're always going to have that little eye contact, you know, the moment. Up. 
huddle up. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if, if one person's not having the greatest day, then the other two lift them up and try to, we all try to connect and, you know, that's usually, usually for me, that's the constant, uh, no matter where we are, I think we're going to do that. So it's fun. Keanu, I wanted to ask you, you know, you're a film actor. A lot of film actors will talk about the difference between being on stage acting and being in a film acting and what they get from different ones. Is there something that you get from being in a band that you can't get from acting? I, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't know, it's obvious, but, you know, playing music. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, I don't know, they probably have more in common than differences. But I think the idea of um, what to speak about. Uh, I think, you know, collaborating, co collaborating and coming together and then being in the moment and then performing uh, are very similar. And, uh, and then when you lose yourself in that, when you lose yourself in the scene or in the show and you're connected to your, you know, we're connected and we're connected with the audience, um, you know, it's one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah. This is a question for all of you. Uh, band dynamics uh, are notoriously tricky. I think uh, you two had, uh, they made a decision really early on to split all the songwriting evenly, and that's what some people will credit to their longevity. You guys have a unique dynamic or a, a unique element that you have somebody in your band, Kano, who's a, a major movie star. And I'm curious if there is a, how have you all handled that dynamic or how have you made sure that everybody always feels like an equal player? Um, I think we don't think about it really, right? It's just, we've known yeah. each other for so long that I just look at these guys like my friends. Yeah. We do that as well with the music, you know? We, like R.E.M. did that too, kept them together forever. And then of course, Brett writes all the lyrics and so he needs, come on, you gotta give. But you're right, I think that, what you just mentioned, I mean, that helps a bit. It, it doesn't, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just an example of what you're saying of like how we feel about each other, you know, and, and it sort of keeps us going. But I mean, I don't even think, Brad, the dynamics, it's just, I, it's just it, a, I don't even think about it like that. Yeah. I just think about it like the, he's the bass player mm -hmm. and he's the drummer. <laughs> it's like that simple. And I'm this guy. And, and we get together and we play music and I don't, I, I don't let my mind go beyond that. It's just, it is what it is. And, um, you know, musically speaking, this is, this is where it happens. So. Yeah. Sometimes I forget about all that. And then you get to a venue and you see that what you're talking about with, you know, with a lot of the counter has to go through and I forget about that. Cause yeah. I'm, cause when, when we're in our environment where that doesn't happen, you know, in Silver Lake where we are and we don't see that and then and it's it's tough you know that part of it because sometimes we can wander around the city and kind of like i'm going to stay in <laughs> it's like you want to come out it's like, uh. yeah <laughs> so that part i, I don't like that because I, I, I just wish that you know there was a little more freedom there you know but it hopefully but when we're together you know in the venues and the music all, I, you know it all washes away yeah you know, just shut my eyes and we're a band. I'm speaking with Dogstar on World Cafe. I want to end the interview with the song that ends the album, uh, the song that ends your live shows, and I think maybe my favorite song on the new record. It's called Breach. Uh, 
why did you guys decide to end it, the album and your shows with this song? It's a punctuation mark, right? You know, it's, um, the album is a, is an emotional journey. It, there's all kinds of different feels and it all feels like a windy road that gets you to breach. It's a statement, I guess you could say, right? It's kind of, I think of, it also hints to where we're headed too. Like at some of our newer songs are more like harder that way. Right? Yeah. But we didn't know that at we the didn't. time, right? Yeah. So it's like, maybe when we added know, a playlist, we didn't know. Maybe. That either. Yeah. yeah. We didn't know. It but sounds like it would be a I lot think of that punctuation. It's a rocker. And it's like, you know, it's our kind of just, there you go. Have yeah. a nice day. Here's Breach. It's Dogstar. This is World Cafe. was Dogstar with Breach on World Cafe. I've been talking to Brett Donrose, Rob Mailhouse, and Keanu Reeves of Dogstar. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Raina Duras, back in a moment with more World Cafe. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. Like, not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. Dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.